Well, praise the Lord. It's always exciting every year to have Micaiah Ministries. And uh, some of you that are newer to the church may not remember. But Micaiah Ministries, um, way, 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 way back. That's not too many ways, is it? Okay. Uh, but Pastor Rod uh, began uh, partnering with Micaiah Ministries way back in Pennsylvania, if I remember correctly. And um, and then almost 20 years ago, I guess, they started to partner with uh, Cornerstone in Evansville and started to partner with ever, other churches. And um, the more I get to know them, the more I spend time with them, the more I get to see their heart for what they're doing. Uh, how many remember back in the, I guess, what was it, the 80s and 90s, the Iron Curtain began to fall? And, and uh, Todd and Kent were in... Uh, ministry school. They were in Bible college. And when that door began to open to Russia, they immediately seen the opportunity to go minister to uh, orphans and, and, and minister to those who are, you know, kind of fell in the cracks and nobody was there to take care of them. And they were on the streets and didn't have anywhere to go. And how many know they've been doing that their entire life? They went straight out of Bible college, and there's something amazing when people pour their life into ministering to other people. And, you know, we have a lot of political conversations about Russia, Ukraine, and how many know political conversations don't do anything to help people? But isn't it amazing when you see two men who are in Bible college who give their life to minister to a people that we're supposed to dislike. I mean, no, that's true. Think about that. And so here we are, right on the edge of St. Petersburg, Russia. They poured their entire life. And man, when you hear them talk about the ministry there in Russia, they're as excited today as they were, how many years has it been now? 25 plus years And their mind is constantly, how can we build these kids up? How can we build these families now up? And uh, they're constantly thinking about how can we get them jobs? How can we get them off the street? How can we help them in their marriage? I mean, no, a lot of them that were little are now married. And so guess what, church? We've been a partner for how long now? Almost 20, and even in Pennsylvania. And so we have a rare opportunity to say we've been a partner for a very long time in this ministry. So I say all that just to say, welcome them this morning and uh, give them a warm welcome. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Love you, brother. Well, good morning. Would you stand to your feet and let's pray one more time. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we want to thank you for this family of believers gathering together in this house. Father, we want to thank you for their open hearts towards you, willing to lay themselves down for others. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place today. I thank you for the leadership and, Father, the responsibility that this congregation has taken on to reach out and to win this community for Christ. And Father God, I thank you that you are abiding in us today by the power of your spirit. Father, we can expect that you are going to move in our lives, that we're going to hear a word from heaven. And Father, as we step out of ourselves and into you, I thank you that you begin to think through our minds and see through our eyes.
speak through our lips and even touch through our hands. Father, we're trusting that the anointing that is in this ministry today will be released to every hearer in the house. And Father, we expect from you in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, shout a big amen. Turn and tell somebody you're in the right place today. And then you can be seated. Hallelujah. Appreciate you coming out this morning. Appreciate the opportunity that we have to come to this house. Um, and it was good to walk in this morning and feel like we are part of the family. Uh, there were so many people that come up and hug and encourage and have an excitement. And so you just make us feel like we are a part of you. And, uh, and that's not uh, the case everywhere that we go, you know, because some people, they're just standoffish. They just hold you at arm's length. They just act like you're the stranger in the midst. But uh, you know, when we come here, you guys just make us feel like we're part of it. And I just so appreciate that. We appreciate that. And we're just probably as excited to be here this morning as you are to have us. And for those of you who don't know us, we've been traveling all over the United States, Canada, Mexico, Costa Rica, Russia, Norway, Burma, Malaysia, Finland, Jordan, Egypt, China, Japan, India. And I've left out a few. And I could, I tell you, I tell people every week I practice that a time or two. Been doing it since 1981. So 38 years plus in ministry, 25 years plus in Russia. And you're a part. Uh, we were discussing it uh, the other night with the Murray family. We've probably been a part of their lives for at least 28, 29 years. And uh, and so we go way back, as your pastor said. And we've just grown to love Pastor Chad. I'm telling you, respect. And, and what a man of wisdom and knowledge. It's it's awesome to sit down and hear him use words I never used. I'm telling you what. Uh, last night when we were having dinner together, I just pretended I knew everything he's talking about. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, but uh, I know it's going to be good for him to go to Israel. Um, we've been over there uh, eight times, and uh, it, it's awesome. We, we, you know, there's just been a spark that just that rises up every time that we were there, and something fresh and new to connect with. And and every pastor that we've ever taken to Israel with us, uh, they come back, and and it, their congregation can tell a difference. All right, and it's there's something about being there and connecting where Jesus walked, and so I'm. Excited that your pastor's getting to go and to visit those sites, and, and I know that he'll come back with something fresh. You know, God spoke to me back in 1994 when he told me that he was going to open up the windows of the world to this ministry. He spoke to me and he said, uh, you're going to be like a carrier pigeon. He said, you're going to go out with a message, but you're going to bring a message back. And I believe that's what's going to happen with your pastor. There's going to be something fresh that he's going to bring back to you. And so be sure to be praying for your pastor. You know, something else I like about this congregation is you're not afraid of phrases like was in the first song that maybe some of you sung over and missed momentarily. You know, there are a lot of churches out there today that have nothing but a feel-good message. Now, I appreciate that most of the songs today were about victory, but how many of you know in order to have true victory, there's got to be a dying of self? Did you see that that in that first few lines of that first song that we sang? That he invites us to die. Most people, they pull back from that kind of a message. Because we don't want to hear about dying to self. But in order to live and live that most victorious life that he has called us to live, 
There's a dying to self. Now, I know some of you want an update on what's going on over in Russia, and I want to connect this with what we're experiencing over in Russia. You know, years ago when we started the work in Russia, we chose to die to self and go to a place where others weren't going, that I had grown up hearing all kinds of negative things about in the household that I grew up in. It was those those evil Russians, you know, those bad Russians, those commies, those communists. How many of you know people are people all over the world? And people need Jesus. And it's like your pastor said, that's a political thing. How many of you know this is a people thing? When it comes to sharing Christ, this is a people thing. Um, We have gained such favor over there in Russia because instead of us going in and trying to take the credit, God spoke to us years ago and he said, I want you to go over and help the Russians help the Russians. There's a part of dying to self right there. Because we're not getting the credit. As a matter of fact, in our community now, our community leaders recognize us as the Americans who are helping to make this thing happen, but they're recognizing us as the Americans who are allowing the Russians to take the credit. Because we've got people over in Russia who have a vision to help these youth in crisis. And so instead of us going over and trying to do it all, we're empowering them. Come on now. See, you're helping to make it happen to empower them to raise up leadership there that's the ones that are making the difference. This whole message of dying to self that's stirring in me this morning, my daughter-in-law took me down in the backyard of Restoration House this past summer while we were there. And um, one of the boys that you'll see a video on here in just a moment, he thought he was going to die on the streets or in prison. Uh, His wife was an outcast from her family. And so she was living on the streets and had no place. And they both heard about Restoration House. And Dima works at a nursery presently. Uh, he is desirous to learn English, and uh, we are getting him English lessons because his dream is to rise up and be my personal interpreter over there in Russia. And I'm excited about that because here's a boy who nobody thought was ever going to amount to anything except nothing but a drug dealer and die on the streets. But now he has a desire to be involved in ministry. And here it is, as he's been working at the nursery, uh, the nursery owner has shown favor upon this ministry, gives us plants and, uh, you know, things to beautify our grounds there at Restoration House. And so my daughter-in-law, she enjoys the gardening and the flowers. And so she's made all these little sitting areas to go and to pray and to meditate. And so when dad got there, she was anxious to take me to show me what she's done on the properties. And then she takes me over to the strawberry patch. And she's excited and frustrated about the strawberries because the strawberries are, are now coming on. And, and uh, so she's excited because she wants to make jam and other things out of the strawberries. But she's frustrated because the guys are going down to the strawberry patch and they're picking and eating the strawberries even before they're completely ripened. And they've taught our small children that are there at Restoration House to go and pick the strawberries. And so she's frustrated. So in all of this, though, she looks at these potatoes that are growing up randomly 
in the midst of the strawberries. And she laughs and she points to them and she says, that's garbage. She said, you know, the boys come down all winter long and they dig holes on our property to dispose of the compost, the eggshells, the potato peels. And so that's the garbage that's growing up in the strawberry patch. And immediately I was taken back to when we first started the work with these youth in crisis because these young people that were coming by the church where we were holding leadership conferences and doing evangelistic crusade-type work, and we started to give them clothes and shoes and blankets, and we were feeding, and we were helping to sponsor feeding programs all over the city of St. Petersburg. And as people would walk by these kids, they would call them garbage. They would call them filth. Even the church people, when they found out what we were doing, this very church where all these young people are gathering and the the number of young people are getting so big that the church had to stop advertising that we were coming. I, I challenged them one day, why are you not advertising anymore? We, you know we pay you for advertising. And they used to put up these large billboards announcing that we were there. And the pastor said, well, and I didn't realize how negative that the pastor was being at the time. But they said, well, your family's getting so big We can't advertise because they're bothering the people that come to your conferences and to the church. You know, the people at the church would look at us and they would say, why do you spend your money and your time on these kind of people? Because they'll never amount to anything. People would walk by them and spit on them. I remember going to one location where these young people were living in these abandoned buildings, broken down shacks, the stench of filth and garbage. These kids were living and there were bug-infested mattresses that they slept on. And because they were sniffing glue, and there would be these fumes that came from them from from the glue, which was meant to actually deaden their minds to the pain and the hunger that they were experiencing. And somebody took a match and threw it on one of the boys just to see if they would light on fire because of all of the fumes. You see, because these kids are nothing but garbage. They're nothing but the refuse. You know, Paul wrote to the church and he said, remember what some of you were when God chose you. Remember what some of you were when God chose you. Olya and Sergei, who are both directors, husband and wife team, directors of our ministry there in Russia, Both lived on the streets. They were considered the garbage. That which is disposed of. 
falls into the ground and dies, but is resurrected. Come on now. But is resurrected into something that is of great value, now being harvested in the kingdom of God to affect the lives of others. Olya and Sergei, they go to conferences now that they are intending to learn there about working with youth in crisis. And when Olya and Sergei were first asked by Brother Todd and I to take on the responsibility of leadership over there, they said, well, we don't have enough talent. We don't have enough education. We don't have the know-how. We, we don't know how to do this. You really don't want us to be your directors. And they were looking at themselves as the garbage from the street because their bodies are infected with disease and they should never be able to have children, but instead they have two beautiful, healthy little boys who are now being raised up to be ministers in other people's lives. Now when they go to these conferences to learn from others, what ends up happening is just like that scripture says, that God uses these type of people to confound, confuse the wise, the wisdom of this world. So that nobody can get credit and receive glory other than God. Can you see when you die to self, God begins to raise you up and you become to be fruitful in his kingdom and he receives glory. These leaders at these conferences while Oli and Sergei are sitting there listening and wanting wisdom for themselves, they've heard of Oli and Sergei and what they're doing with our young people in crisis. And they go to Oli and Sergei and they say, tell us, how do you do what you do? You see, because our staff, an apostle came to or one who's considered, I should say, an apostle from one of the largest churches in Russia, came to visit our house a few weeks ago. And he said, I've traveled all over Russia. And he said, I've never met anybody like you and who does what you do. Said there may be two or three of these types of work all over Russia, but you're the only ones that I've ever met. And so now these leaders at conferences are going to our uneducated, the garbage that God raised up, they're asking them, tell us, you tell us. And it's confounding the wisdom of this world. Dima and Masha that you're going to see here right now, they're young people who are now beginning to confound those around them. Masha comes to our house as she's going to Bible school, and she does lessons for our young people where she was the one who was receiving before, but now she's giving out, and God is using and bringing a harvest, and you're a part of it, and thank you very much. You had it before I did. Thinking about the fact that we're going to be over there pretty soon. We're going to leave on uh, 
December the 22nd, actually December 22nd, headed back over to do a lot of outreaches over at the house over in St. Petersburg. We've got wonderful staff, uh, good associate, wonderful associate. Pastor Chad's coming over sometime. He talked himself into it yesterday. And, uh, and we're looking forward to Pastor Chad coming over. He's got some expertise that we need to have a part of. Uh, so we appreciate you guys very much. Uh, the church here, uh, you help us out financially, but you help us out prayerfully. You know, we know that the only reason we're able to have the success that we have over there is because of the prayers, uh, absolutely 100%. Because people are praying for us, we know that we can have the success that we're having over in Russia. Uh, like we've said in the past, it's like God's before us, and he's saying, come on, guys, keep up. And... Uh, so we are excited about that. Some of you can consider coming over sometime. You're going to get deeper, uh, deeperly, that's not a word, deeper involved, uh, with us over in Russia and we're anticipating it. You know, a pastor friend of ours, he said, he grew up and he said, I, I knew I, I didn't like the Russians. And he said, and I realized I never met a Russian. <laughs> so I never met one and I didn't like him. He's gone over with us multiple times now. He's been over there. He's helped us build. He loves the Russians. People that go over with us, they've gone over multiple times. We have a lot of people that go back over. They fall in love with the house. They fall in love with the Russians, just like the Russians say over and over. I have a neighbor over there. He invites me over to drink milk. I didn't know it was a cultural thing. Come over and drink milk with me. So I go over and drink milk with him, and he watches a, a, a YouTube video about a Russian guy that moved over here, and he talks about life in America. And this guy said, it was my dream to move to America. So they love Americans. They love, I'm telling you, it's a political thing, not a people thing. I run across people all the time, and where are you from? And they, they like to talk about America. They would love to come over here. So don't get caught, all caught up in the, the hype of everything, please. Um, I want you to go in your Bibles, let's see, over to the book of, uh, do I want to go to Luke or John first? I think I want to go to Luke, why not? Let's see what's, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, and I want to make a few statements before I, I read this, uh, but uh, Luke five eighteen is where we're going to go, and um, I want to talk to you today about discipleship and evangelism. I had planned on doing this, and when I heard you talk about who's coming next week, I thought, great, I get to set the platform for this upcoming week, uh, or whenever, when is he coming? Yeah, next Saturday. And so I want to talk to you about discipleship and evangelism. And uh, I like here in John, uh, Luke, excuse me, Luke chapter 5, verse 18 says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with the palsy, and they sought means to bring him to Jesus. And so what we get, uh, and when they could not, they got up on the roof, they tore a hole in the roof. But the point I want to bring you to is there are always a lot of obstacles that are trying to keep us from bringing people to Jesus. 
And these guys didn't just come up to the house, see the crowd, and say, oh, there's a big crowd here. And so they just didn't decide to turn around and go home. Well, we tried. We got to the door. Now let's go home. It says when they saw the crowd, they decided instead of trying to come through the front door, they were going to tear a hole in the roof of their situation to get their friend to Jesus. And the point I want you to see in that is that they sought means. They looked for ways. They looked for opportunity. They didn't just give up uh, when they couldn't get through the front door. They looked for other ways to do it. And and that speaks to our lives because how many times have you invited somebody uh, to church and, I mean, they've got their walls up, they've got their excuses up, They've and as soon as they say, oh, well, I've got to work, or I, I can, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, well, I tried, instead of Maybe we start looking at it and uh, we seek means. We seek opportunity. We look for new ways to boldly go where no man has gone before. All right. (laughs) To seek out new civilizations. (laughs) So, it's good to be here. I thought, man, the the announcements are maybe better preaching than I'm going to do. I've got to watch out, all these announcements. Uh, But... It's good to be here. You know, what I like about this church, there's a lot of families here. There's a lot of men here. Uh, that's cool. That is way cool. You know, there's a lot of churches, they get the rep of, a reputation of being a, a woman's church, you know, because the men are gone. Uh, but there's a lot of men here, and I'm glad that the men are rising up to the occasion. And uh, so it's good. I'm excited. I'm excited we're a part of you. You're a part of us. And uh, I know there's a lot of people here that can preach, and I just get to this morning. So thank you very much. Okay. So as we look at this, uh, over in Russia, since we've been going over there and since the Iron Curtain has come down, uh, there have been a lot of changes. A lot of changes. There's been a lot of uh, finances that have been poured into social programs over there. There's a lot more... Um, uh, social workers and and uh, uh, different people like that, but the sad fact is, with the 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 people that we're working with, a lot of the statistics have remained the same. And I'll tell you why: because you can't just have a program and you just can't throw money at something, and bureaucracy will never solve anything. And you know what that what happens over there? What has happened over there is what is missing is that I've read it in articles over there of where uh, the bottom line change is going to come by one-on-one, by individual relationships. Uh, That's where the change is going to come in. So what is happening over in Russia is the same thing that's happening over here. What is missing in the in the uh, in all of this is. you is us is individual people that's the missing element uh is people uh there um you know you've got you've got programs but then when you involve people that that they can get involved one on one and get involved in stuff so what i want to talk to you today about is making yourself available we need to begin to make ourselves available uh here in the united states for evangelism and discipleship, making ourselves available. I want you to go with me to the book of John, chapter 4 and verse 35. 
John chapter 4 and verse 35. It says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look. Uh, You don't have to go far in this day and hour to see a harvest field, for sure. I mean, there are so many hurting people out there, uh, people that are afraid, and they're looking for answers everywhere but the church, it seems like. They're looking for it in... in, uh, in New Age, they're looking for it. In drugs, they're looking for it all over the place where the uh, the answer is in the church. And why I'm saying that is, don't we have good news? Hasn't God done something for you? Has He done anything in you that you would like Him see Him do in other people? Isn't it something, I know in my life I was depressed, I was in and out of jail, on drugs, dropped out of school, fighting with my family. Um, I start praying, I said, God, if you'll get me out of this mess, I'll do anything that you want. And he brought people across my path who started sharing with me, who started to disciple me before I was born again. And just sharing, you know, sharing what we have. Do we have anything Do you have anything? We have something. We have something that we want to impart to other people, to give to other people. Because he's changed our lives, and so we want to see other people's lives changed. We want to deposit into them. So he says, uh, don't say there's four months, then comes the harvest. He said, I said to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white and ready to be harvested. Our pastor, Billy Joe, used to say, Look for the harvest. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest field. A lot of times when you talk to people, they say, well, I take opportunity when I get the opportunity. Uh, But I'm saying don't just wait for opportunity. Create opportunities. Don't just wait for an opportunity to share the gospel. Create them. And uh, as you're looking for opportunity to create, look for phrases that somebody uses uh, look for some way to relate, relate it, relatability, building relationships. You know, our church's evangelistic strategy should never be come here and like us better. Huh? Should never be that. I mean, Ryan's rocking it up here. Man, oh, I love that. I love how they turn the lights. Okay, great. You know, I, I'm glad when they like us better. But that, if that's, that should never be a church's uh, evangelistic strategy. Come here and like us better. You know, like somebody at the front door, if the deacon uh, or the greeter or whoever it is, they meet you at the door and, you know, everybody that's familiar with them, oh, glad you're here. Oh, a newcomer. <laughs> they run up and chase him down and say, oh, here's my phone number, and if you need anything. And this one guy, he said, it's almost like we were saying we give foot massages and back rubs. You know, like, come and like us better. And that should not be, you know, our strategy. We shouldn't be limited to that. And we, what, our, what our strategy should be is uh, the front door of your home is the front door to the church. It's the truth. 
The front door of your home is the front door to the church. How many people, uh, when you say, you know, would you like to come to church? No. Or I'm busy or whatever. And then it's over. And trying to get them in the door has been the big issue. But your front door of your home, it really kind of comes down to hospitality evangelism. It really does. Okay. Our evangelism style should never be, we are not Clint Eastwood evangelists. Dirty, hairy evangelists. Right? Hey, punk. (laughs) You know what this is? This is a King James version of the Bible. And you have to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? (laughs) Go ahead, punk. Make my day. We're just like, we're waiting for people to misquote the Bible. You misquoted the KJV. I'll get you. I did my my religious duty. King James, uh, dirty, hairy evangelism is not what we're all about. Just out there to set people straight, put another notch in our gun belt, do our religious duties. I was raised as a Mormon. Somebody says, huh? I knew you looked. <laughs> but being raised as a Mormon, whenever I would see, after I got born again, and I would see uh, Mormons on bicycles uh, going by, and it would be like my heart would race, and <sighs> I got to go set them straight. And... You know, what God began to speak to me was, uh, do, you know, how can you really share with them if you really don't care anything about them? And that's really, we do our, we do our religious duty sometimes when we witness, but I'm talking about really it kind of comes down to taking time for people. Having, taking time for people. That's why your front door is the front door to the church. And I just talked to some friends of ours out in Arizona. Uh, I, uh, Todd and Don, uh, and when I was talking to them, they go to this mega church. But you know, the fact of the matter is, these two are so evangelistic. I mean, and what they will do, I read this book called uh, The Gospel Comes with a Front Door Key. And in this book, what this lady would do was she would she uh, she was married to a pastor, and even after church, they would invite the whole neighborhood to come to their ho- home for dinner. And so Todd and Don go out there. I said, "How when you guys show a neighborhood barbecue, I said, how does it turn evangelistic? And she said, two ways that it turns evangelistic is we have a table set up there, and on there she said we had some cards that said, that we were going to be doing a home Bible study. And if you're interested. And she said, but the other part was, we were just being us. We, we were loving people. We were just being us. Getting involved in their lives. And we've watched them. They went to these, there were these uh, two, two guys living in the home. These two brothers taking care of each other. And Todd and Don were not getting any credit for going over there and helping them, taking meals to them, helping them to move. They were just doing it because uh, they just love people. And, and, I, and we see them now, what, what her husband's doing, uh, 
his name's Todd, too, and, and so they say he's the better Todd. But anyway, what they're doing now is he's having a, a men's group in his home, and the, what, how, it, how it was birthed out was not just to be another Bible study. It was birthed out because he knew when he was going through a hard time how men internalize things. Men don't, you know, we've got to be tough. And so he realized, you know, we've got to have a place and a platform for these guys to get together and be able to talk and know that it's okay to talk. And, and so they just started, he started a little uh, church gang, you know. But he's got his neighbors coming, they've got unbelievers coming, and they go and do stuff. But it's not, it's not like it was just, you know, like a church did it. It was just them being evangelistic. And so it's talking about hospitality evangelism. Now, let me say this to you today. You might say, well, what do I have in me? Are you kidding me? You have been seminared, CD'd, radioed, booked. You've been in church forever. And you, you have the Word of God in you. How many of you all remember Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And here you got Willy Wonka, you've got uh, the little gum chewer, Violet, remember? So they go in, and, and Violet, there's some gum, and she grabs it, and he says, no, stop, wait. And it's a full course meal and that little chunk of gum. So she starts chewing on it, and she says, oh, it's... Uh, Roast beef, first of all, it was tomato soup. She could taste the tomato soup. And then she said, oh, here comes the main course, roast beef and gravy. Oh, I could taste the gravy. And she was just going on about it. Oh, here comes the dessert. She's chewing. And what it was was it was uh, blueberry pie. And as she turns it, uh, she, as she's eating it, all of a sudden, her dad says, Violet, you're turning violet. What happened? She started turning into a giant blueberry. And she was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and they said, let the air out of her. And he said, that's not air, that's juice. And what had to happen? He said, we got to get her to the juicing room because if we don't get her down to the juicing room... She's going to explode. How many churches we are in and all I see are, you know, feed me, pastor, feed me. And first of all, if you, you, what's the explosion? If you get people that are only taking in all the time and they're never giving out, they become the complainers. They're so full of juice, they're going to explode. And church, we have been seminared, CD'd, radioed. We have, and what happens is the only outlet that we have a lot of times is we like to come to the church and we speak Christianese to one another. And so you'll understand my deeper revelation than I have a deeper revelation than you have. And we talk it to one another. You know, the best thing for your faith Share it with somebody who doesn't know what you're talking about. They don't have a clue what you're talking about. 
The best thing in the world for your faith is have somebody look at you cockeyed. It's the best thing in the world. Because the Bible doesn't say, and uh, spread the gospel and Pastor Chad will make an evangelistic and discipleship outreach program from the church. It says spread the gospel and make disciples. And it's, and it's, all, and it's great if a church does it. Uh, uh, usually a discipleship program in the church is a facilitator, puts on a video and answers questions. You know, and okay, great. You know, I'm all for discipleship programs. I'm all for evangelistic programs. But the disciple makers are, are us. You know, churches in this day and hour are into multiple locations, multiple campuses. Isn't that right? And in those multiple campuses, you've got, uh, uh, multiple campuses and one communicator, and which is fine, you know, all those things that are going on. So, this morning, God is not just into addition, but He's into multiplication. And if our evangelistic strategy is wait until somebody wanders through those doors, or we've got a campus here, we've got a campus here, we've got a campus there, we've got a campus there, we've got a campus there, we've got campuses everywhere. You folks are coming in contact with people every week, every day that I'm not coming in contact with. It's our uh, responsibility not just to share the gospel, but to make disciples. And you've got the goods. You've got them. You've got the goods to make a disciple. Now, when, when, when you get into that, discipleship is not going to come from just giving somebody a book or giving them a tape. It's an investment of our time. We've got to carve out time in our lives. By the way, on my phone, I've got phone numbers that when people call, it says time stealer. And I know that upsets some people, but I know if I take this call, it's a time stealer. And so because of that, I'm not talking about you getting involved in people's lives and it's like, oh, no, they will talk for six hours. You know, I'm not talking about that. But but the neighbor back in, in Pennsylvania at Kent's house, um, I was doing some stuff, and we have determined to reach the neighbors, to talk, to develop, build a relationship, not just invite to church, but to reach and disciple the neighbors. And so when we're talking about that, I'm outside, I'm in the garage, garage door's up, and the neighbor, I see him, but he hasn't seen me. (laughs) He hasn't spotted me. I'm thinking, I can get into the house and he'll never know I was here. And I can just escape, come through the garage, go into the door, go inside. And I thought, oh, I need to talk to the neighbor. And you know, the fact of the matter is that the neighbor probably didn't want to talk to me any more than I wanted to talk to him. But we need to build those relationships because we can't just be gunslinger evangelists. We can't just be, you know, it's it's about developing these relationships. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, it's about um, taking the time to get to know them, not just having an agenda. And then once your agenda is done, you don't care about them. We can't do that. We build relationships. And it's every one of our responsibility to be Having disciples, making many me's, making little us's, you know, giving out what we have, discipling people. We're called to disciple, and we can do it. We absolutely can do it. Uh, uh, the um, 
Billy Graham Association, they had this program they call Operation Andrew. And in Operation Andrew, first thing that you do, number one, you uh, identify those people that you come in contact with that don't know Jesus. You start becoming conscious of the fact. You start being deliberate about it. You start thinking about, you know, there are people I come in contact with that don't know Jesus. Number two, we pray for those people on a continued basis that they would get to know Jesus. And you know, a lot of your pre, it's pre-witnessing, pre-discipleship is in event, is in prayer. Prayer makes a pathway before you ever get there to talk. The seed that you're going to sow is going to have a lot more effect when we pray and prepare the way for that seed to be sown. Number three. Make uh, make bridges of friendship or develop bridges of friendship. Now that's that one's I like that one. Develop those bridges of friendship. How do you develop a bridge of friendship? Number or number one. One way that you can is take a sinner to dinner. Everybody say that. Take a sinner to dinner. Oh, okay. Now what I'm supposed to do is get the receipt and. And, and turn it into the church, right? No. Nope. You pay for it. What a novel idea. Investing in the kingdom. Take a sinner to dinner. Take them out. Pay for a dinner. And you said, well, what would I talk about? If you ask somebody, tell me about yourself, you've got a conversation. <laughs> so you can take them, so you let them talk about themselves uh, you interject your your experience and bring Jesus into it. But the thing is, you're not just there like you're trying to sell a timeshare. Have you ever noticed, okay, maybe I should turn around for this one, but people that are in multi-level mar- uh, businesses, they say, oh, I never talk about this, and I, yet I sell, sell, sell. That's all they talk about. But So I'm not talking about just trying to do a a sale job on somebody, get them to sign the contract because you took them to dinner. Build relationships. Really care about people. And you will because what happens is that they're they're going through marital problems. They're having uh, financial issues. Uh, Their kids are rebelling. Uh, There's sickness. There's all these things. But the first thing people tell you when you say, how are you? What do they say? Everybody's fine, but we know not everybody is fine. And it's not just waiting for the pastors to do it, but it's everybody is a disciple maker. We're all disciples. It's just a matter of prioritizing and, and considering who am I discipling? So you we we uh, take a sinner to dinner or take them to play around a golf, you pay for it. If nothing else, take them for a cup of coffee. You know. Uh, build a relationship over a hot water heater. You know, your neighbor, the sinner neighbor. Now, the neighbor next door is, is hot water heaters malfunctioning. Build a relationship over the hot water heater. But we have something to impart to people, to give to people, developing that. Um, and then, uh, so that's number three. Number four is... Uh, you lead them to Christ, and five, you know, we are responsible to, to grow them up. 
A pastor friend of mine, he was bivocational. And being bivocational, he had to, uh, he, he was there at the church and he drove a bus for the school. And so he went down to the, uh, and, um, at the bus barn, he said to himself, I want to witness to somebody. I want to disciple somebody while I'm here. And there was somebody there named Becky, and he said, if Becky can get saved, anybody can get saved. <laughs> so he started sharing with Becky. And what he would do is he'd come back to the church and tell the people at the church about his experiences sharing with Becky. And so what happened was he finally got down to asking one another, who's your Becky? And they begin to ask each other, who's your Becky? Who's your Becky? So the pastor's wife had a Becky, and the pastor's wife's Becky got a Nikki. And what happened was that the pastor's wife was in social services. She was helping this lady to get off of her meds, to get a job. Uh, The whole system didn't want that to happen because they said, if you get off your meds and get a job, you're not going to get help anymore. And she said, I don't want it. I want a job. I want off my medication. And so she was working that way. Well, there was another girl named Nikki that saw what was happening to Becky. And she said, I want what she got. And how did that happen? to discipleship and evangelism, to hospitality evangelism, to our front door of our home is the front door to the church. It really is. The front door of our home is the front door to the church. Uh, another church, they said it like this. They said, it's a, it's a front door, living room, kitchen evangelism. The front door is where you hold people kind of, you know, hold them uh, at living room is where you're getting a little more acquainted. But by the time they get to the kitchen, you've got a relationship. It's building relationships, taking time with people. I know all of us are busy, 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 busy people. I know. You guys here in Kentucky, Indiana are no different than everybody else. Everybody's busy. But we know that it's the Great Commission going to all the world, preach the gospel, spread the gospel, make disciples, uh, being intentional about it. So I was talking to this uh, lady preaching along these lines, and she said, she came to one of our services later, and she said, I realized something. She said, I invited my pastor's wife to ask the neighbor to church. She said, I asked the neighbor to church. The neighbor said no. I had the pastor's wife ask her to church. She said no. She said, I realized something. My neighbor is not my pastor's responsibility or my church's responsibility. She said, I I realized something. My neighbor is my responsibility. She said, I realized my neighbor is my Becky. And so now what what happens is when she listens to uh, a sermon... She said, oh, that's good for Becky. And she goes and shares it with her. When she's listening to Christian radio and she hears something, she says, oh, that's good for my Becky. And you know what? Her neighbor is open to it. Her neighbor is uh, desirous to hear it. And so it's really cool. Every town we go to, since I've been here, if I was living here, I found my Becky. (laughs) I have. (laughs) I've got this guy targeted. I've met him. And how will you know you're Becky? Because there's a relationship. There's a connection. There's something going on there. There's a connection. You say, that's my Becky. And church, I'm excited. 
you know, next time we see you, see, I'm inviting us back now. Anyway, next time that we see you asking, who's your Becky? Finding out, because it's just wonderful. It's, all, it's a lot of wonderful opportunities. It's a lot of, of relationships. I don't know where we got this idea that we have to cut ourselves off from the lost. That just is ridiculous. Hallelujah. So I want to pray for you today. Father, I just pray and thank you that this church, there are those that are involved. They know who their Becky is. Others may not know who their Becky is. And they may not think, I have anything to give. But you've got so much to give. And so, Father, I thank you today as we pray. We are thankful for the Holy Ghost, one called alongside to help to quicken us. Holy Ghost, you quicken us. There's your Becky. You quicken us and you give us words and you uh, uh, empower us. We've been endued with power from on high to be witnesses. And, Father, I'm I'm so thankful for that, uh, for these relationships out there that you are developing that we can share what we have with people. We can share what we have. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I, before I turn this to Pastor Chad, I just real quick, that made me think of this short film called The Music Box. I don't know if it's an old one. Very old. But this guy, he's going through the motions every day, going through the motions. And one day on his way home, he finds a music box and opens it up. And there's, you know, and it makes his life brighter. And he goes home and his family's life is still terrible. But he's not sharing it with anybody. He's just, he goes into the bathroom and will open the music box. And so it's not just something private. It's look it up, YouTube it, Google it, whatever. It's called the music box. It's old and it, and it really brings it home. It changes your life, but it's not... Ours is to keep, it's to share with other people. Amen. Praise Praise the Lord. If both of you would come up here, I just want to pray for you guys. We're going to take up an offering for their ministry. Let me tell you something about their heart, though, when they come to visit a church. Um, Sometimes we think, you know, they're here to raise money for their their work in Russia. And... uh, when I talked to them, we had we probably had a three, four-hour conversation last night, and um, I didn't realize Applebee's turns into a country western bar, bar at eight o'clock. How I many knew that? Yeah, at a certain time, there's Bluetooth jukebox, and so they start picking them, and it's Eastern Kentucky and a lot of Chris Stapleton, and you know, it's just a country music bar at that point. So we were like, wow, what just happened? You know, the lights go down, and, you know, and but we just kept on talking about the Lord, you know. So praise the Lord. We were building those relationships. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, but they, um, one thing that w- in their heart, and you'll notice when they minister, they're here to uh, minister to the churches. They're not here raising money. They want to give a word directly from the Lord. And can I tell you something? That word is exactly what we need to hear. And uh, we're going into a, um, we're really, as a church, focusing on evangelism and reaching our neighbors and reaching the lost. And you say, well, man, why are we making such a thrust right now? Because we needed some traction. (laughs) We needed to build some things around here to get in a position to begin to reach out to our neighbors, to our 
you know, we had a lot of other things on the table initially, but now we're ready to just start launching out church. And so what they're saying is um, exactly where this church is going. So I want to pray. Uh, we're going to take up an offering um, after I pray for them. And if you would, just make your uh, checks payable directly to Micaiah, and then we'll just give them directly to them. Um, spell it for me real quick. M-I-C-A-I-A-H, Ministries, Micaiah Ministries. So M-I-C, M-I-C-A-I-A-H, and anything that starts with an M. Okay. So everybody got that. I'm going to confuse you here. It's not M-I-C-K-E-Y. Okay, it's up here. You're going to put it on screen. Okay. Um, if we would, could I have some of my elders up here and just anybody would like to come up here? Um, I've just, like I said, I, I get so inspired. Um, what's that? Yeah, that's right. Eddie was actually their dinner to center this week. And uh, you know what? There's a change in him since he had dinner with them. I can just see it. <laughs> um, but I would encourage you, when you, see, when you see people that have given their life to the mission, you know, they're not um, doing something that we're not all capable of doing. We all should have a missionary mindset. And I want, I want to encourage you. I want to go see what they're doing. I want to be a part of it, not just here, but there. I want to know where they're at in Russia. Go get your maps out and look at where they're at uh, right around the borders of St. Petersburg. And uh, we just have to have to begin to develop a missionary mindset. Your Christian life is not uh, coming to hear me perform. I tell you that every week. It's not here to come hear me perform every week and go back home. You guys are the work of the ministry. You know, I, my job is to train up people to do the work of the ministry. So when you don't need me anymore, I've done my job. When there's so many ministers in this church doing the work of the Lord that you say, you know what, they're better than Chad. I've done my job. Church, I'm trying to get myself out of a job here. I'm trying to make sure I've trained up so many people. You say, man, that's shocking. No, it's you're meant to do ministry. You're meant to preach, you're meant to teach, you're meant to disciple, you're meant to raise up other people that are just like you. Not exactly like you, but uh, similar to your Christian qualities, let me put it that way. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Can we get some more people up here? Let's just surround them with love. I want them to feel like when they're ministering to us, we're ministering to them. We want to minister into their lives. Um, and you do, Todd, you have an open invitation every year. You're going to be here every year that you're able to and don't ever, uh, you know, I know one thing everybody looks forward to around Thanksgiving time is Mackay ministry, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's just a, a tradition, you know, that we've always had around here. So don't ever worry about that invitation. And like I said, you're always, um, always welcome here. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord God, we pray your anointing, Lord, upon this ministry. Lord, we know the heart, Lord God. We know the commitment, Lord. Father, I just pray right now that there would be a mighty anointing, Lord God, that's beyond themselves, Lord. Oh, Father, that they would have, Lord, power over every principality in that region, Lord. Father, that you would uh, begin to open doors that only God can open, Lord. Lord, you would shut doors that you're not willing for them to take, Lord. Father, I just pray that you'd begin to move on the hearts of the people, Lord. Father, that you would um, 
Father, supernaturally bless this ministry, Lord, to reach hearts, Lord God. Father, like uh, David's mighty men, Lord. Oh, Father, that there was no enemy that could stand in front of them, Lord God. Father, there was no obstacle that could stand in your children's way, Lord God. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, oh, a supernatural anointing of victory, Lord God. Father, a supernatural confidence that only comes from you. I come, from, I come against every thought, Lord God, of defeat, doubt, fear. Father, and I pray strength, I pray soundness of mind. Oh, Lord, I, I pray a renewed spirit, Lord God, a renewed joy, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray for a vision of the finish line, Lord. Oh, that the last leg of the race is better than the first leg of the race. Oh, Lord, that they finish, Lord God, with strength and vigor, Lord God. Father, I pray against all um, sapping of the energy, Lord God, and the joy, Lord God. I speak, Lord God, overflow in their heart, Lord. Bless them today, Lord God. We thank you for them. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And the church says... Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, we can have our ushers come forward. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Love you, brother. Hallelujah. All right. All right. Kevin, would you say a blessing over this? It won't feel as awkward as you standing up here. Lord God, we thank you, God. We praise you for today, Lord God. And the reason that Makai Ministries is here, Father, Lord God. And, uh, and God, but truly, they do need our help, Father, Lord Jesus. God, financially, Father, Lord God. But, but God, we know that you will bless us that give to them, Father, Lord God. And they will take what we give, Lord Father God. And they will bless the others around them, Father, Lord Jesus. God, it's a give and give situation, Father, Lord, in, in the ministry of you, Father, Lord God. It's not give and take, Father, Lord, but, but I call it give and give, Father Lord Jesus, and then it gives again. It's the it's the gift that keeps on giving, just like Christ's love. It just keeps on giving, Father. So we pray, Lord God, that you would take the money, the Lord, that we raise today, Father Lord Jesus, from a kind of ministries, God, and great things would happen for it, Lord. In your precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to sing a song of praise. Ryan, we can't leave this house without a song of praise and an, and an altar service. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Let's worship the Lord one more time. And I just want to ask you, if you're going through something this week, let me know there always has to be a time for prayer. If you're going through something this week, maybe you're going through depression. You know, maybe you're struggling with something in life. And last week, I think I coined a term, altar-worthy. Hallelujah. That means uh, I'm not going to bring it to the Lord because it may not be altar-worthy. How many have ever done that? This is not that big of a deal. I'll handle it myself. How many know that God wants to bless you when you bring everything to Him? So if you're struggling with something, maybe you're struggling at your job. Maybe you're struggling with depression. Maybe you're struggling with sickness. Um, We're here to pray together. You know, we're a church that prays together. And you say, well, why is it important to come up to the front and pray and have people around me? Because there's a thing called the working of the Holy Spirit. I mean, know that everybody here, the Bible says, 
that God's Spirit's going to work through every member of the body with gifts. You say, well, when does that happen? It's getting ready to happen. We're going to, you come up here for prayer and God might speak a word to somebody who's praying over you. God might give you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. You might be up here and God might impart a miracle. So how does that happen? Because one of the gifts of the Spirit is supernatural faith. You say, man, I would love to have that. What is supernatural faith? That means I have faith to believe something that I couldn't pre- previously believe for. God put it there as a gift. How many know these are important gifts? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, supernatural faith. And God wants to impart that on this church. So as we begin to worship, this altar should never be empty. Hallelujah. We should be seeking God. We should be seeking to pray over people. And this is the time to do it, church. Hallelujah. How many have a few more minutes? Or is Grandy's calling too loudly right now? No? Hallelujah. Let's worship. for that right now. I want to pray for these marriages because maybe for one reason or another, sometimes we keep it to ourselves and we're very private. But God sees you this morning. Well, church, join me as we pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, you know right now the wounds, Lord, that they have endured, Lord. They've been in quiet. The humiliation, the shame, the crushing. Father, right now, I just pray that you would put your arms around these individuals, Lord. Father, that you would begin to minister, Lord God, that they would begin to see that only you, Lord, can heal a broken marriage, Lord. Lord, only you can bring healing and wholeness, Lord. 
only you can repair, Lord God, all the hurt that's inside, Lord God. Father, I pray right now that you would wrap your arms around them and begin to speak over them, Lord God. Lord, speak the words they want to hear, Lord God. You are a great wife. You're a great mother. Lord, be what they need, Lord God. Bless them, Lord God, today. Oh, hallelujah. Another thing the Lord really wants to minister to today. Some of you heard the message today. Hallelujah. Some of you are going to quit playing church. And you're going to take a sinner to dinner. And you're not going to call them a sinner because they'll be really offended. You're going to build relationships. And you're already thinking about, God already put on your spirit who it is that you need to spend some time with. You've got that connection. You've got that relationship. Some of you have been a big Miss Blueberry. You know, that's full of the word and not pouring it out. So now you're going to take those same messages and you're going to say, man, this person needs to hear that message I heard Sunday. And you're going to find a way to download it and you're going to give them that message. You're going to find something that's going to minister to what they're going through because you've been through it. You've got that connection. And you're going to minister to them. Hallelujah. So how many um, believe we can do that this week? We can start being the church. Hallelujah. We can start being the ministers, okay? We're no longer going to say, Chad's not a good enough minister. We're going to start being the minister we dreamed I could be. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not supposed to say that, am I? Let's pray right now, Lord God, your anointing upon your church, Lord God. Father, raise up ministers, Lord God, that are fearless, Lord. Lord, they'll go right into the camp of the enemy, Lord God, and they'll raise up people who know they're loved by your people, Lord. Father, you'll speak into their lives. You'll speak into their situation. You'll speak into their hurt, Lord God. You'll pour out your love, your joy, your peace, Lord God, in a world that desperately needs it, Lord. Father, I pray your anointing upon your church, Lord God, to go be the church, Lord Your anointing upon your ministers, Lord God. Not your spectators, your ministers, Lord. Anoint them right now, Lord God, with your anointing, Lord, to do your work. In your name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.